Welcome to Soul and Tune, where we share the untold stories of those achieving at a high level in their chosen fields, giving you the valuable tips and tricks to not only stay on top of your mental health, but to grow as individuals. Welcome to part two of my chat with Emma Maidman. If you haven't already, head across and listen to part one before you listen to this episode. If not, I hope that you enjoy. Yep, spot on. Again, touching on like the sounds of the beach, the sounds of the ocean. Why do you think people like the rain at nighttime when it's banging on the roof? Or it obviously makes sense, doesn't it? Like when you're yeah. linking all together. Totally. Another thing you touched on again, social media, um, the modern world with, with social media, with um, things like body image, things like um, wanting to have that perfect thing. And you just touched on it then stimulating. Like, we're always stimulated by it. Um, I think the, there's like facts like when you wake up in the morning, um, you've got, well, I don't even know what it is. You might know it actually, but there's a hundred times what our grandparents would have seen in the morning before we even like get out of bed or something mm. like that. If we look at our phones, yeah. um, what are your thoughts on those topics? Um, yeah, don't, don't look at your phone as the first thing you do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really easy to say I'm definitely guilty of just waking yeah. up and being like, damn it, how did I get on Instagram? Mm. It, it, they're designed like that. They're designed to suck you in to, I mean, their understanding of human psychology and sometimes light on is, um, is pretty amazing in terms of um, their ability to draw you in to use the app more. I mean, that's mm. the intention. And I think there are a lot of people now kind of posting and trying to make people aware of, hey, Instagram is not real life. But it's very hard for our brains to process that. So yeah. see a photo of someone and even though we might know that it's been edited and they've probably had their thigh gap put in or whatever, mm. our brain, it's like we kind of know that, but we sort of don't really believe it. Yeah. And that creates, I mean, like the body image topic is a huge one on social media in terms of, um, actually, so this really funny thing, the other day of this um, influencer um, taking a photo. She was talking about um, uh, recovering from pregnancy, basically. And she had this photo that she'd posted and she looked amazing in a bikini on a beach. And then her husband happened to be a photographer and he was selling his, um, you know how people sell like the packages of editing software, yeah, like yeah. you can buy my presets. And yeah. he had an example on this ad of like a before and after. Yeah. And so he'd edited, he, and he used the same photo that she'd posted and the before and after he'd added a thigh gap and obviously the internet picked up on it and it was yeah. like her post was talking about positive body image and yet she still felt the need to get him to yeah. make her look skinnier. And it, yeah. it, it's really sad. It comes back to that yeah. idea of we don't, we can't show up and be who we are. You know, we, we want to look like people are getting plastic surgery to look like the Instagram filter. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's so mind blowing, but it's just becoming so normalized, you know, to change the way in which you look through a filter. And like, I mean, I'm definitely guilty of it on social media of posting really beautiful photos. I never edit my physical body, but I'll definitely change the lighting and make the, yeah. Yeah. Each look brighter or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's curating our life. And I think mm. that 
if you get to a point with social media where you aren't able to tell what's real and not real, then you need to take a break. Yeah. If you start watching social media and genuinely believing what you see, I mean, there's some great examples of, of influencers who've pretended to go to Coachella and things like that. And really they've just been in their living room on, you know. <laughs> Eating twisties <laughs> and just sitting there. <laughs> But, it, but it's a great example of like, yeah, you can create anything online. But I think, you know, I read something today about kind of like Instagram trends for, for 2020 and they were talking about authenticity and content. And it's, it's like people are awakening to it and they're beginning to see through the filter. So yeah. they're starting to see through the more kind of just like vapid, comment and genuinely because we're we're awakening as a human race we're seeking authenticity we're seeking people that are living their truth yeah and we're we're always drawn to that and it's there's a beautiful teaching that i always like to remind people is that the truth always reveals itself so you might look at someone and be like god that in influences just editing their photos and this that and the other Mm. and you kind of can get frustrated and compare yourself or whatever but the truth always comes out so it'll always be revealed um, in one way or another. And so I think the more important thing is, okay, how am I living authentically into myself? How am I then presenting that online? And if I'm finding that the content I'm consuming online is not making me feel good, unfollow that person. If you if you see someone's image when you're scrolling through your screen and it instantly triggers in your brain to compare yourself to them, hit unfollow or mute them for three months or something because that's not a healthy relationship. If that person's content isn't inspiring you or empowering you to be a better version of yourself, my opinion is just unfollow, let it go. Because if, if all it's doing within you is, is triggering comparison and, and a lack mentality, like lack mentality is one of the lowest vibrational frequencies. So if you're in lack, you're never going to get to abundance because you're stuck in fear and lack. Yeah. So yeah. if, you're consuming stuff that's that's triggering that response within you, you've got to cut it free. Yeah. Yeah. Another another important point to touch on as well is it sucks that those people have to do that or feel the need to have to do that. Cause you said, like as you said, a lot of us do. Oh, I I do it. I I'll go onto Insta and I'll go to put a photo up and then I'll be like, oh, what can I do to this? It actually turns out like I end up not being able to do it anyway because I'm not clever enough. So I just revert back to the original one but (laughs) um yeah like we all we all want to do it just to like do what we need to do to fit into society and um it can be really tough on people in that position to have to do that especially especially as a influencer or someone that's in the public eye like you want to do that all the time just to um not fall behind um and it it is pretty sad yeah and i mean like and, and i think it's also acknowledging the platform for what it is it's a marketing platform. It's designed to sell stuff, you know? And so you can show up in that way. I mean, I think I I look at myself as an example. I show up in a way where I'm sharing teachings and quotes and thoughts and things, but then I'm also still selling my programs and selling my online platform and and using the platform for what it was designed to be. And so I think really just acknowledging that as well um, and try to remind people that, yeah, it's not always you know what people see on instagram is like one eighth of my day whereas i'm not live broadcasting for 24 hours they don't see the boring bits you know like 
well maybe maybe they think my content's boring I don't know but you know like you know you're not seeing the monotonous day-to-day kind of stuff you're just seeing like here's this great meal I ate and here's this it's yeah. all a highlight reel yeah and so if, if you can acknowledge that and be okay with it great it's a beautiful platform like I love communicating usually I love working with incredible mm. photographers to create images that are more like art you know images that capture an emotion or a moment in time that's just yeah. you know I did some pregnancy photos with an amazing photographer and it I look at that and I just I think wow like that's just captured a moment in my life that is so powerful um and it it feels more like art you know and and there's yeah. that's what Instagram is it's a visual medium and it's it's a beautiful way to express yourself visually um some yeah. people are really great at that in terms of they can edit photos and make them look you know whatever other people they just take a selfie and share what they want to share and it's all good as long as it's coming from a place of authenticity. Yeah, that's it. I think, as you said, we just got to get into that notion where we just use it for what it is um, and then don't use it when we don't need to use it. Like, as we said before, well, I, I've gone through stages where I wake up in the morning, it's the first thing I look at, but I've also gone through stages where I'll leave it out of my bedroom. I just won't touch yeah. it for a, for a few days and then... Um, come back to it but like I've fallen back into the trap now where it's in the bedroom but like not 9 30 10 o'clock when you're about to go to bed um whenever that is leave it out out in the kitchen go to bed come back out to the alarm and you're set to go for the day and um yeah yeah and that just sets you up in such a in such a better headspace yeah that's it I think yeah it is it is important to use it for what it is because I've got friends again that they want to get rid of it completely. And like, that's, that's maybe a good option sometimes, but I'm also like, well, if you feel like you need it in your life, it's going to come back eventually. So like, why get rid of it? Like you're going to have to come back to it. So find those ways where you can maybe put it in the kitchen or leave it in the lounge room and come back to it when you need it or set those hourly times when you want to use it. I think that's a good yeah, way. Yeah. Having the, um, that screen monitor timing thing is a great, you know, okay, cool. I only want to spend an hour on social media each day. That's all I need. Great. Then you set that reminder. And once it goes off, you don't snooze it. You're like, that's me done. Yeah. Because we don't, again, it's designed to be addictive. It's designed for you to keep scrolling and keep consuming. So its intention isn't to ever make you bored. It wants to keep showing you content to keep you on the app so that you eventually buy something, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So having the, it's, it's boundaries within yourself, you know, and it's the same with, anything you can apply it to the food that you eat you can apply it to um, anything in your life that that has that addictive tendency towards it it's very easy to just fall into overconsumption of anything being able to take that step back and be like okay yeah this is actually really not good for me I'm going to give Instagram either a break or you know I need to delete the app for a while if 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 the temptation is just too much to keep grabbing it it's knowing yourself it's knowing you know, no, I'm the kind of person that can be disciplined or like I have no self-discipline. I need mm. to just delete that up for a little while and give myself yeah. a break and know that, that life is what happens on the other side of the Instagram story. You know, it's the yeah. other portion of your day that you're living that you're just, you know, that isn't mm-hmm. your lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. And again, it's probably important to reflect back on your reasons why, like why do you want to, spend less time on social media because like do you have do you have those goals that like don't align with spending like 
your time until one o'clock on social media or waking up first thing. Yeah. Is it pulling you away from what it is that you really want to do? You know, if you're working on a business and you're just getting sucked into a scrolling hole and you're not actually getting anything done, then maybe it's, you know, not the best thing for you to do. Whereas for some people it's, it's their way of, you know, creating a community or engaging with their community or it is their business or whatever. It's all healthy boundaries really. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I think, I think it's just about finding what works best for you and, just doing it and it's easier said than done, but I guess that's what you got to do. Yep. That's right. Um, you said before about you worked in the, you've done those few workshops in schools and things like that um, where you talked to girls about um, making that confidence. Um, for anyone in general, how, how do you think you cultivate confidence and bring that to the forefront? So I really think it starts in, I've said this a million times, but just knowing yourself, you know, being comfortable with yourself, being able to sit with yourself. Um, it's, we spend so much time and particularly in those developmental um, ages when we're a bit younger of just trying to be somebody else because we think it's going to make us happy. And ultimately then we end up even more unhappy because that's not who we are. So if you're able to take a step back and, and come back to you, like what do you, what do you really enjoy doing? Start with that and then do the thing that you enjoy doing and you'll meet other people who also enjoy the same yeah. thing. And then you found a community, you know, rather than, oh, well, everyone's really into dance. And so you start doing dance and you yeah. suck at dancing and you hate it. it you know, it's, it's, it's sort of being able to be okay with, okay, what, what am I into and how do I then follow that? And I think that, I mean, confidence is one of those things that can take a long time to step into. Often it takes a lot of shedding of past trauma. Perhaps if someone's bullied you or made you feel small in some way, that's kind of quietened your voice or made you feel like you just need to be kind of the church mouse in the background. Confidence doesn't necessarily mean you're up on a stage in front of 10,000 people singing a song, you know. It, it shows up in so many different ways. I think it's more around how confident are you in who you are? And so being able to discover that, particularly at a young age, is, is such an important thing. I mean, you can tell someone, don't worry about what other people think, but yeah. that's not going to be their reality. You know, yeah, it's very easy it. to say that. But to actually practice it is like, oh. So it's always like come back to yourself. What do you like doing? What are yeah. the things that light you up? What are the things that make you feel really good? And then yeah. do more of that. And you start to watch that when you nurture those, those things and that, and that side of yourself, your confidence begins to grow because you're doing something that's intrinsically you rather than trying to push into being someone that you're not. Yeah, spot on. It grows confidence yeah. as a byproduct. Yeah, and I think pers from a personal standpoint, that's one of the reasons I actually created this podcast. It's more because I've been both sides of that where it's like you're doing really well at something or doing a very good job and like people are going to talk you down about it, especially if you're expressing confidence about it. And it's also like you, you go the other direction where you're kind of not doing well and or like you still might be doing well, but you're putting it down and playing it down and people are like, oh, be more confident, be like, be more exuberant with it. And it's like, well, what, what do you want? But when it comes back to doing the things you actually want, then well, that's when you start becoming confident and, and we, um, we also have that tall poppy syndrome, especially in yeah. Australia, yeah. where, you know, we start to get confident and then people pull us down. And mm -hmm. I, I learned that a lot. I used to work with an American company and spent quite a bit of time over in the Silicon Valley. And you would 
go to an event and you'd meet some dude and they would tell you this story about this app they'd created and you would just, the way they came across was like they were Steve Jobs, you know, like you were like, wow, this person is like legit. Then you'd ask a few more questions and you're like, hang on, this is just an idea you've had. You don't actually run this million dollar company, but they come across as if, you know, they've started you know, this huge yeah. deal. Um, and, you know, we can find it, <laughs> I used to find it quite funny. But then I would bring that home and compare that against an Australian culture, which is kind of like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And, mm. you know, oh, it's not that, it's not that great. And then people are kind of, you know, tearing each other down for having any kind of success. And I think that's yeah. really sad. And it's something that we kind of have to overcome to, to, to step into like, hey, no, I actually did a really good job of this or I'm really proud of this thing that I did or whatever. And I, I noticed within myself, I never used to, overly promote a lot of the articles and a lot of the media and stuff I would do for that fear of people thinking that, oh, she's just up herself because she's in a magazine or something. And then I started realizing like, no, actually I've worked really hard on this. And what I shared in that really comes from my heart. It's not about my ego. It's I'm sharing something in that article or in those words or that interview that, that I really feel is an important message for the world. And so it's stepping up and, and owning that. And knowing that, you know, someone trying to pull you down from that kind of tall poppy thing is on them, not on you. Exactly. And yeah, as that's a certain story playing out. Yeah, I think that's why I started it. Because I, I just wanted to be like, I wanted to put out what I am, what I want to do. Um, and like stuff it if people don't don't like that. And that's their problem. But yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's perfect how you said that. Because everyone wants you to be amazing until you're better than them. And then they don't they don't really like it anymore. Yeah, and then it triggers them and they're just yeah. like, well, if I, rather than me levelling up, I'll just pull you down and that'll yeah. make me feel better. And you yeah. don't want those kind of people around you anyway. Yeah. You want to be, you want to find a community of people that genuinely uplift you. Yeah, I was talking yeah. to a, a girlfriend today who does a very similar thing to what I do. And we were talking about how much we love, how much we support and promote each other's things. Mm. Or share if she's got some new program. Like, it's, we're not doing the exact same thing. We have different kind of people that we speak to or whatever, but we're in the same space and we could very easily see ourselves yeah. as competitors and not share any insights, but we have these amazing chats about what strategy you're using for this. And, and we share a lot of resources because we genuinely want each other to, to um, succeed. And I think they're the kinds of people that you want around you, you know, and you notice that you've got a bunch of people pulling you down. It's time for some new friends. Exactly. Surround yourself with those people and they're going to take you up too, especially if you all want the best for each other because the last thing you want is someone, someone dragging you down and um, it's kind of what we touched on before. If someone's not fitting into that mould, um, you might have to politely say, hang on, I don't really want yeah. to be doing it this way anymore. This is not serving me. Yeah, it's not making me better. So it's a tough, tough conversation to have, but you've got to do it. I wanted to just go back a bit back to those hardships that we spoke about earlier from your personal, um, personal level. Um, do you want to touch a bit on them and um, kind of give people an idea of what you've been through and um, how you've risen to the top and got to the point where you are now? Cause you're obviously doing so well, but um, before, before that, it wasn't always sunshine and rainbows. So do you want to just touch on that and go a little bit deeper? Yeah, I think, I mean, life is never, always just sunshine and rainbows we have to experience the lows to to know what the highs are um and so i'm definitely still on that on that journey um there's been many things that have that have happened in my life i guess that have um pulled me into darker places 
I think the the worst place for me um, was, well, I touched on it before when I got really sick. So went overseas, um, partied like a rock star in Thailand, got a parasite, went undiagnosed for a year, um, which basically was a series of different doctors and specialists and telling me I had this, that and the other. And I lost about 15 kilos. Most of my hair fell out. My face was completely covered in acne. Like I was just a mess. And I had just normalized being that sick. Um, and I look back on it. I look back on photos of myself and I'm like, whoa, how was I living like that? But I was so, it just, it just became so normal. And then with that um, triggered anxiety. So I had, I had experienced anxiety when I was much younger during my parents' divorce. That was kind of a, a byproduct of that. And then it reared its head again when I got sick as just, a, a, I guess, a, a stress response. You know, when you're in fight or flight for that long, you lose all sense of kind of reasoning and understanding. And it's so easy to just normalise your experience and to continue living it. And so that was really rough in that I, I went into a place of just pushing through. So I finished my degree and I finished all my internships. I don't know how. Mm. Um, I, I wasn't able to eat food like I, I look back on it and I'm like how I was surviving is beyond me um and I got into this really really dark place and then I came out of that you know and, and I shifted and I got healthy and all that kind of stuff and then when I decided to um leave my job and become a yoga teacher and travel overseas and live in, in Germany for a while and freelance and whatnot I thought like man I'm, I've like nailed I've gotten you know I've gotten rid of my anxiety and I'm really healthy now and like everything's sweet and like yeah this is it this is life another example of cycles and then I got over there and it was the middle of winter I moved over there with my now ex-boyfriend um but with my partner at the time and it was the middle of winter freezing cold didn't know anyone we didn't speak the language and I went over there with this kind of pipe dream of what I was going to do and then the reality of like oh, should I have to get a job stuck yeah, in? Yeah. And so then I started doing this job. And again, I was back in the same story. I was working with a tech company that I didn't like. I was going to work when it was dark and I was coming home when it was dark. And that highly anxious feeling started stimulating back in inside of me. And I was just in a dark hole. Mm. And I would just literally come home in tears, just, just a total emotional wreck. And, and my partner at the time was just kind of like, I don't know how to deal with you. Like, this is, you're, this is a lot. Yeah. Um, and when it's minus 16 degrees and you have no friends, it's like, you're kind of like, what the hell was I thinking, you know, moving halfway across the world. And for me, it was a, a beautiful example of, I hadn't necessarily dealt with the underlying issues. I just masked them with a change in career and a change in lifestyle and telling myself, yeah, it's all sweet. But as I said before, when we don't sit with stuff, we don't feel it, we don't heal it. I obviously had a lot of past trauma that I hadn't dealt with that was manifesting as anxiety. So for me, the most profound work that I've ever done is inner child work um, in terms of going back and working with your inner child to heal the stories, to heal the, the stuff. I mean, for the first seven years of life, we're writing a script about ourselves and then we repeat that script for you know until we realize that we have the power to change it and so most of us are living out 
our one to or zero to seven year old script on repeat and those stories of how we get attention, how we receive love, all those sorts of things um, are, are in that kind of, in that script that we've written for ourselves. And so for me, it was really going back and confronting a lot of that stuff that I didn't even realize were issues, you know, things that I never would have thought had manifested in, in my actions as an adult. And so being able to, to work with a professional to go through and, and do that work was kind of like very, very confronting, but also very, very revealing of like, okay, so these are the patterns that I have. These are the tendencies that I have. And this is how I'm just repeating that pattern um, because of X, Y, and Z. And so really diving deep into what is beneath the surface of these, these feelings, what is beneath the surface of what's playing out. Ultimately, I look at it and go, that's probably why I was so sick is that the universe was like, pay attention. You're not dealing with stuff. You're not listening. Now it's going to manifest as, as physical sickness in your body until you physically can't do anything else. And then feeling like you got better from that and then falling down again. And so I guess that kind of made me see that I'm just going to keep repeating this cycle of getting down into these depths of just, you know, being so anxious and so emotional and so upset and just unhappy if I don't actually address what's beneath the surface. And so for me going in and doing that really confronting inner work um, and that also um, sparked my meditation journey. Meditation itself is a really profound inner journey because you're sitting with yourself twice a day. There's no, Kind of running away you're seeing physically sitting there with yourself um but doing that work has has just made me so much more aware so that even when i notice those patterns are starting to play back out and i think oh, i'm slipping back into that i have the witness i have the i can witness it playing out and go whoop let's just pivot this direction yeah. whereas previously without that knowledge i would have just fallen back into that cycle and been like what am i doing in my life now i'm you know, I'm totally freaking out again and everything's spiraling out of control. Yeah. And so awareness is really the first step to, to making any change and being able to confront the darkness ultimately leads you to the light. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people are, are scared of their shadows because they're dark. You know, we don't like looking at that stuff. It's like, just put it in the box and put it at the bottom of the ocean. I never have to look at it. Yeah. But it's always going to bubble up until you actually kind of go, all right, let's open the box. Let's be brave. Let's be courageous. Let's have someone to support you on that journey. Definitely. Let's go through that process. It doesn't mean that then your life suddenly becomes amazing every single day. Stuff is still going to come up, but you have these tools in order to deal with them. Yeah. So for me, that was, I guess, kind of the most profound inner workings that I had done is that inner child stuff to just really become aware of, yeah, of, of those patterns and then how to shift them. Yeah. Very well said. Thanks for that. Um, when you did look into that inner child, what did you find? Do you mind sharing? Um, it, share? it, would be, it would probably be hard to share without going into like another hour of context. <laughs> but basically, basically at, at a higher level perspective is that I guess I just became aware of, um, the masks that I wore in order to receive love, in order to um, get attention, in order to feel safe. 
And then when you realize as a child, like, oh, I didn't feel safe because of, you know, my, for me, it was a lot to do with my parents getting divorced and, and the stories and things that that created. You then see how that plays out in the, your relationship. So you choose a partner that you think is going to make you feel safe and supported, but really you end up just parenting them. Um, things like that. So I, you start to notice how these patterns that seem so trivial as a child actually create this chain of events and stories that play out um, in your in your adult life. You know, for me, a lot of it was trying to control everything, try, feeling like, you know, so much of what happened was out of my control. So my defense against that is to try and control every aspect of yeah. the situation, which obviously plays out in work, which plays out in relationships, um, which, you know, we talked about before, you, you've no control over anything at any point, but mm. we, we control is an illusion. But if you live in the illusion yeah. that you can control something, then you just become anxious when you can't control it and the whole thing falls apart. So yeah. I think that, yeah, for me, the, the most revealing parts was just really getting clear on where those stories come from and then being able to see how in every aspect of life they've really played out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. Thanks so much for that. Um, and yeah, as you said, the divorce would have been a tough time. Um, and a lot of people have gone through that, like plenty of people have gone through it, obviously. And um, mm. I'm sure everyone doesn't um, deal with it the same way. And they all use those little, those masks to cover it differently and, react different ways with it so um it's yeah and it is a really big thing I mean as a as a child particularly that family unit if you look at it I guess from a spiritual point of view we'd look at it like the base chakra your first chakra your first energy center in your body which is safety and security which as a child we get from our parents you know we look to our parents they provide food and shelter and they make us feel loved and safe and then when that family unit is kind of is shattered and you lose that sense of security that sense of safety that sense of self disappears mm -hmm. so you start acting out and you know you see this a lot and i think i don't know it, it feels like everyone i know is, there's not very many people i know that have parents that are still together yeah that generation it seems got again generalizing they got married very young and then they're on to marriage number two or three now yeah. Um, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's like people change and evolve and whatnot. But I think that um, how that plays out is a lot of people just try and protect the kids or, you know, we, we, we look down on children. We think children are idiots, but they, yeah. they know so much, you know, like they're such aware, sensitive beings that have got all the lights on and they're listening. Mm. I think a lot of parents, it's kind of, you know, they either stay together for the kids and then the kids feel that for a certain amount of time or, you know, they, they maybe not open about what's really going on through that kind of divorce process. And then the kids are reading it one way and then, and then you kind of go through that story that you're being lied to, you know, your parents are telling you this, but really your feeling is this. And, you know, I, I, it, it comes out so much when I talk to other friends and stuff that have, that have been through it with their parents that no matter what age they're at, um, it's a really, really tricky thing to, to navigate and I hope mm. that I never have to go through it myself because it you know you can only imagine how hard it would be to want to want to exit from a relationship but to have kids and all yeah. that kind of stuff um but 
I think now there's maybe a little bit more awareness of the impact that it has on the family unit and so how you can approach that in a way that um, doesn't have impact or also encouraging your children to go on a bit of a healing path through that process. Yeah, that's that's spot on. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think if people are going through um, some struggles about finding their inner child and um, trying to go back to that, um, they'd want to just look a bit deeper, have the courage to look a bit deeper into what they actually started from and where they came from because it does take a lot of courage. But um, if you do open yourself up to that, you can definitely um, find a bit more about yourself, I think. Totally. Um, yeah, you did also touch on at the time when you were going through all those things, um, your body started reacting in different ways. It made me think of actually a quote that I read today. I'll just quickly find it. Um, Dr. Joe Dispenza. It was about how our bodies react to things negatively. Um, when our bodies do react to things negatively, we go back to a state where we feel sick and we feel like we're not reacting well to things. But if our bodies, but there was, there was a thought about if our bodies are doing those positive things, which is what you promote so well, um, we go to a state of just proper well-being and we start to feel better in our own bodies as well. So um, yeah. yeah. So when you are struggling with that sickness um, and your brain gets into the state where it's like, oh, things are going wrong, you got to get sicker and sicker and um, same same goes. If we think we're fine, we're going to get better. So Yeah, you start manifesting your reality through your thoughts. Yeah, yeah which is actually so amazing when you um, <laughs> nut into it a bit deeper. But, yeah, that's that's for another time because I'm mindful of your time because we've <laughs> gone for a long, long time. Yes, this is going to be a long podcast. Yeah, we all experience that negative self-talk um, in our own heads. We talked about how we had it from other people before. But if we have it in our own heads, how do we combat that and kind of get rid of it other than the traditional ways of obviously meditation, um, yoga and things like that? Is there any other ways we can cope, any other coping mechanisms that we can use that yeah. you know of? Um, so I think like what I said before, self-awareness is the first step. Yeah. So when you become aware of it and then you remind yourself that you have a choice in every moment, you can respond to a situation from a place of love or you can react from a place of fear. And so that practice in itself is a great kind of check in with yourself moment in those situations to just pull back and go, what am I, what am I responding from right now? And then how can I choose to move more in that path of responding from a place of, of love of, of who I really am and honoring that, rather than just being stuck in that story. Yeah, yeah, that's spot on. I think, yeah, it is about finding that that end result and seeing where you want to go as well a little bit. Um, I was also going to touch on, I forgot to, but your family through that time, did you really rely on them or lean on them or did you lean on anyone to get through the difficult times? Yeah, for me it was more, I was living in Melbourne, so my family weren't, um, around physically right. yeah, so for me it was it was kind of I guess more of like a soul family of choosing people around me that I knew would support me um, in that journey and that I um, knew would elevate me rather than yeah getting stuck in, in a in a friendship group that wasn't going to aid in that okay yeah perfect so yeah de I definitely think community as well is a massive thing when you especially when you go through hard times but it's always an important thing um, yeah, I mean, for me, the yoga and meditation community were amazing through that time. 
Um, I found a lot of people through that environment um, that were just, you know, like-minded and on a similar path and, and able to hold space and, and, and go through it because, I mean, sometimes our family aren't going through the same things and so they can try to be there for us as best they can but they're also they're doing the best they can with what they know and so yeah. for me i i kind of i seek community outside of my existing family mm-hmm. yeah that's awesome it's always it's always great to find it and um tap into it because it is so important as you would know no there three more um so for anyone wanting to achieve great things what would be the biggest piece of advice that you'd give to them? Be who you are. Be who you are. Do you want to expand a little bit? Well, if you're living into who you are, what it is that you're supposed to achieve, what it is that you're here to do, in yoga we call it your dharma, um, but your life's purpose will reveal itself. If you spend all of your time chasing something or trying to be something else or thinking that you need to do some amazing thing to change the world, you know, in order to contribute, it's not coming from your heart, then it's just going to fall flat. So be who you are is always just like come back to you, figure that part out and then everything else will flow from there. Awesome. Very well said. In saying that, what brings you the most value to life personally, do you think? In terms of? In terms of anything that pops into your head. Meditation. Meditation. And? Secret ingredient. If you were to meet your younger self, yeah. what would be the things that you'd say? Uh, you are enough. You're enough. Perfect. I love that. As you said, going back to that that child, when we, we know everything, we know a lot, we just kind of, we, we're already that state that we want to be, but we just can't find it. 100%. And I think that's a really good note to finish on. Before we finish up, though, any parting words you want to put out there, um, particularly mental health related, as this is what we want to kind of the message we want to kind of put across through the podcast Yeah. Um, that you want to share with anyone? I mean, for me, the, the most profound impact I've seen on my mental health and the people that I work with mental health is meditation, is having a, a practice like meditation or mindfulness or whatever it is that, that you feel most drawn to that um, actually gives your mind a rest because we go to bed at night and we think like, oh, I'm resting, but your body's resting. Your mind's like digesting food, digesting the day, dealing with all the stuff. Um, whereas when we meditate, we actually give our mind a chance to enter into a deep state of rest. And when we're in that deep state of rest, we're, we're accessing the parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest response in the body, which means we're able to recover from the effects of stress, meaning poor mental health. I mean, so often we become, I mean, in my experience, you, you, begin, you can become highly anxious and then you're just fueling that anxiety, that experience of anxiety rather than actually giving yourself, giving your mind a rest from it, coming out of that, that fight or flight, coming out of that sympathetic nervous system into a place of being able to actually process life. Yeah. I've seen so much, so many benefits from, from people that I've taught, for people that you know, I speak to that, that have a, a regular meditation practice that have just seen such a profound shift in their mental health I mean, because on a, I guess on a physical level, they're giving their brain a rest and then they're, but they're also 
accessing a deeper part of themselves. They're discovering that there's more to life than just the thoughts and the feelings that they're experiencing. Amazing. Well said. Um, thank you so much again for coming on. Um, we're really grateful. My tummy's actually rumbling a lot too. I kind of feel like, you know, <laughs> I can, yeah, I can imagine that you're feeling pretty rough about it. But yeah, you, thank you so much for coming on. So grateful. Um, before, we, before we finish up, anything you want to put out there um, about your own businesses or things that are coming up um, that you want to share and get out to an audience? Yeah, sure. So um, I run an online yoga, fitness and meditation studio called Flow State Studios. So we run regular meditation courses and then we have daily live yoga and fitness classes with instructors from all over the world. Um, so you practice live with a really incredible community that's just been yeah really amazing to watch them grow. Um, and then I have meditations and courses on Insight Timer. Um, I'm not sure how many people in your audience are pregnant, but there is a, <laughs> a course on there for sure, pregnant yeah. <laughs> women. Um, maybe they know someone who um, just to support them through the, the process of, of that. Um, and then everything else that I do is on my, on my website. Um, yeah. So I'll be taking a little bit of time off um, to, to step into motherhood and then back next year running retreats and courses and all sorts of fun stuff. Amazing. Perfect. I'll drop all the links to everything else you do as well in the notes below. Great. But thank you again for coming on. Appreciate it and enjoy the rest of your night. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to my chat with Emma. Hopefully you gained a lot from the episode that you can take into your own lives moving forward. As per usual, like and subscribe and soul in tune or follow our Instagram and Facebook to grow our community of listeners. Until next time, peace out, guys.